Welcome back to her house. Welcome back to her house. All right. So should we? So I feel like maybe we should talk about this week. We had our first business podcast, not disagreement, but dis- difference of opinion. Yeah. So I feel like we definitely consume different content. Yes. I've never listened to Giggly Squad, and you've probably never listened to Bigger Pockets. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> So we're just like getting in our groove, trying to figure out like what this podcast will be. So if you've been listening to our previous episodes, thank you, because that means you're supporting us. And we're just trying to figure out what our vibe is going to be on this pod. So anyway, we're super excited this week because we have our first guest on the podcast. And basically... This is, well, I would consider this a great business episode because essentially we're going to be interviewing the owner of Love Luck. Um, And I have a vivid memory from when you just found out you were pregnant and decided you needed to buy a Chanel bag. Yeah, I was literally on the couch. And let me tell you, I, Gray, I love that but I was not quite ready to be pregnant again when he came around. So I just remember being like so pissed that I was pregnant, just like on the couch, like this sucks. And I was looking on her Instagram and Sid's the owner. I met her in music class um, when Lola was a baby and she has twins, a boy and a girl. And I met her there and she mentioned her store casually. And so I started following her on Instagram. So one night I'm just bored like with Joey and I'm like oh my god Joey there's this Chanel and I hadn't even been in the market for a Chanel you know but I started this thing and I suggest all of you ladies do this with your husband a trimester gift so every trimester of my pregnancy I was like I deserve a present every trimester and so I was like Joey I'm almost through this first trimester like I'm ready for my trimester gift and I just found this Chanel and I'm like this is a great deal and so I messaged her quickly and they were like, we can't hold anything. And But they were so sweet and they did kind of like put it to the side for me because you came with me first, like right when they opened <laughs> your store at Old Town. We were like there 10 a.m. Yeah. Was I pregnant? Yeah, I can't even... No, I must not have been. I don't think you were. Or I'm sure you were, but you couldn't have known. Yeah. It was like early. Right. I feel like it was like the day after you had found out or the weekend after or something. Yeah. It was, yeah, it wasn't quick. I went at like 8 a.m. Yeah. I was like, Haley, you got to go with me. So me and Joey went. And I remember being like, should I do it? And everyone in the store was like, yeah, get it, get it. And now it is special because I do love that bag. Like, love it. And it's kind of like a funny memory. And I was so support, like, so excited to support um, her business because she's just someone I really respect in that. She was just like casually at music class and she sold her business without selling, which is such a, an art, one that I'm trying to perfect. Um, and she just did it really well. So I'm so excited she's coming. I feel like we're fangirling. Oh, the end of the story about your Chanel bag is probably the best thing ever. Well, tell the story about your Chanel bag that our friend when we got well, you were later. <laughs> yes. So I put my name on the list. Uh, we So in Phoenix, we only have we don't have like a standalone Chanel store. We have two Chanel stores, one's inside of Saks and the other's inside of Neiman Marcus. So my friends and I last May walk into Neiman Marcus and one of my friends wanted the wallet on the chain. And so she had asked about it. I was kind of interested at the time, but I 
also knew it was an expensive bag and was like, eh, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, so she put her name on the list to get it. I said, okay, put my name on the list to get it too. Fast forward three months later, the day I go into labor with my daughter and I get a text from the sales associate at Neiman Marcus with a picture of the Chanel wallet on the chain asking if I want it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm in the hospital going into labor. And then she says, oh, so sorry. Already bought sold. Didn't mean to send this text to you. So I was kind of bummed, but it was also like, whatever. I literally about to give birth. Then the next day, right after I had given birth, she texts me again, says she has one. Our friend goes and picks it up. It was a great welcome home gift with my baby. Like the best. <laughs> That's like the baby on a shit. That's how ever. Well, but yeah, so I think we're really excited to uh, get the interview guy. Yeah, should we welcome in Sid? I am so excited to introduce to you our guest today. She is a mother of three-year-old twins. She is married to, I have to say, a very good-looking man who seems to be one of the people who occurred to see the most. She's extremely gorgeous herself. Her Instagram is perfectly unfiltered, and she is ready to powerhouse businesses. We are so excited to introduce you to Sid, owner of Love Lux and Lux Bar. Yeah, no, I'm already emotional. One of most is Sid, but I'm what? But, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Of course. Yeah, we were excited to have you because we're obviously trying to talk about real estate and investments, and I feel like our audience is is a lot women and um we're just always looking for people who are running a business and your mom and you seem to be doing it all and so it's just great to talk to other women and figure out what you know what the key to your success is and hopefully kind of share it so i know a little bit of how you started your business and it sounds like from what i can remember you kind of were just presented an opportunity to help someone and you were like I can make this a business. So kind of tell us about that. And Yeah, so the short of the long will be here a long time. So I used to work in the luxury sale, or I'm sorry, retail business and industry. And I realized as I was, I was doing personal shopping, I was working in luxury handbags, there was like a missing mark. Consignment really started to become a thing. You know, they were the consignment, the online, the real, real was starting to really popping out. Like, what do you do with your stuff when you're no longer wanted? And it's quite expensive. And I realized with consignment, there was a missing mark because people were selling their product for many reasons. Number one, they made a poor financial decision and they need fast cash. Or like they're just busy people. They want to rotate their pieces and they don't really have the time to like go back and forth to consignment source. Has it sold? Has it not sold? Oh, you have to mark it down. Now what's my percentage? So I saw like there's just a lot of back and forth in this transaction. So fast forward, I had a client who knew that I was into designer handbags and they hit a financial crisis. She was a trust fund baby. She blew through all her money, like hit rock bottom. So she calls me out of the blue and is like, I have a beautiful bag that I would love to sell for you to sell to you for, I think it was like three or four hundred dollars. And I was like, well, this is a deal of the day. So I met her in the parking lot of Glenn, now the biggest competitor in town, so we didn't say names. <laughs> uh, and she picked up the bag, they couldn't sell it. So she picked it out of consignment and hands me the desk bag and I hand her the envelope with cash and I say, okay, you know, and she's like, thank you so much for helping me. And amateur move never looked at the bag or anything. She drives out. I open this bag and I'm like, what the H is this? I mean, 
chewed up. And I'm like, I mean, not chewed up, but I was like imagining like this pristine, beautiful blue designer handbag. What was in the bag? It was a Blinciaga City bag. Okay. And that was like all the rage back then. Yeah. So like, here was this? This is like 2012, 13. So, you know, that was like the rage bag. So I'm like, okay, I have two options here. I call her back and I'm like, this thing sucks. And like, gave me my money back. Or like, do I just cough it up? As mind you, I'm like 20 years old at this time. Oh, wow. So like the three, four hundred dollars that was, that's, I mean, it's still a lot of food today, but I'm like... Oh, yeah. Oh, that's like 10% in my savings. Yeah. So um, I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to call it a good deed and just hope for the best. So I put it on eBay and I made like 200 bucks. And I'm like, oh, hang on a second. Like, this is really interesting. So, and you made 200. I made $200. Okay. So I'm like, this is amazing, right? And so I'm like, this is a niche like in this market let me buy directly outright it's a clean transaction each party knows what they're getting for their piece or you know that well you know what you're getting and i know that i can sell it at a certain part and make a profit so long as short love Lux was born i lived at home so i had three thousand dollars and i promised myself i'm going to build this without any investors without any funding i took a six thousand dollar loan for my parents which i gave Thank you. What? It's just free, but that's okay. Yeah, Still today, I'm like, you know, successful, 30 years old, and I'm like, hey, you can borrow some money. Listen, how are you doing? Uh, but to, I don't know. There's just something about it. Like, when you go to dinner with your parents, like, I'm, well, yeah. I can afford my own dinner. I'm still like, I'm freeloading off of my dad. This is great. Yeah. And anyways, so long and short, 10 plus years later, been quite a journey, and here we are. That's awesome. Did you start doing e commerce, or did you start the store? Right. No, it was it was all online. So I started an Instagram page. That's again, like we're talking like, you know, when a big blogger had like 5,000 followers, right. you know, so it was like a totally different era of what it is today. And um, I started Instagram. What did this thing do? I, I sold them. Oh, I s- sold on like eBay. I had an eBay store at one point, Poshmark. I'm trying to think of the name. Tradesy, which I don't think is even a thing anymore. I think they've like bought out and stuff. So it's been really cool to see it evolve. And then I had a little like private office by appointment. And so I did that. And I did it in the high end residency where it was like retail and offices underneath and residencies up top. The Aquila, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I did that for a few years and opened brick and mortar. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How did you know? So I'm so curious. It's been under like the luxury resale consignment. Like, how do how do you know what a bag should be worth at this point in the game? I think it's a lot of like, because we have an algorithm in our business because like we see a lot of the same bags consistently, so we know like market value, what it can sell for, what's a fair price for you feel as the client selling the pieces. That makes sense, you know. And sometimes I will say that people are like, oh, I expected so much more. But there has to be skin in the game for both parties. Right. Like, one of the questions we get, it's very rare, but they're like, well, like, are you going to sell it for how much you're giving us for it? And like, we, we're busy. Yeah, like, we've used it. I have to do it. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> so that's like an interesting concept. Once right. But most people, like for us, like when you come into our storefront in Old Town Scottsdale, you see we like have really current because people are like, well, what 
what percentage, like what are we getting? And I always kind of like preface it to our store is full of like current pristine pieces. So if we were like way off the mark, I don't think we'd be getting mm-hmm. that type of product. For sure. So that's kind of, but there's a lot of pieces in regards to, or a lot of, I guess, ways to look at it. Like we have to make sure that we're buying at a reasonable price that we can still make a profit on it. But also where it's like makes sense to the other consumer, the next consumer, if they're going to save like $50 or $100, they're just going to go to the fashion house directly themselves to buy. Right. So it is kind of a natural drag for what is that market price? Yeah. What? Well, and I kind of follow like the, so I'm super into investing overall. Okay. So to me, like an Hermes Gurkin is actually probably the best investment you can make. Yeah. But I'm so curious because right now it seems like a lot of bags, especially if they're in in-demand bag, are selling for way over retail. So like, what is that experience like? So I think that's like a lot of hoopla, like in my opinion. So people are like, I'll give you an example. We had a client come in with an Hermes piece yesterday. And I don't do any of the dress buying myself anymore just so it stays like very, because I've been fortunate to kind of build a clientele and a following intact. So it's like a very fair thing. So it's like, oh, well, Sid, I'm friends with her. So I, right. I stay out of it. But the client came in and I was asking this scenario what happened after she left and she wanted over retail. But then, like, then I'm selling it or like doubling over retail. It's just, it's very, very rare in the resale industry, at least for our business model that it makes sense okay in um i think that i always tell this to clients anyone can post anything online for any price doesn't mean they're getting it right so you can go put your you know Brooklyn 35 any tote leather for two thousand dollars online and if you get it let me know i'll send you some but you know what i mean so anyone can put a price on anything it's like it's like real estate right yeah. right so even though the market's super hot and everybody wants to live in scottsdale pb arcadia there is still a market price there's still a, a time doesn't matter how much money you have or it's like this just doesn't make sense yeah but so that's the same thing with handbags right it's like doesn't matter how badly someone wants it, it just doesn't make sense to buy it. So when you see a lot of that on a lot of online retailers, at least from the experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like the designer market is similar to, let's say, like the real estate or stock market? Like, are there peaks and valleys or is it kind of a consistent, slow, continuing up? With certain, with certain brands. So... Hermes, Chanel, and Louis Vuitton, in my, but I gotta preface this because I don't want people like me, you know, I don't care, are, in my opinion, some of the best fashion houses that hold their value. They just consistently are going up. Other brands, like, let's use Prada for an example. Yeah, I feel like Prada's having a moment. Prada's having a moment. Okay. Three years ago, I was like, we weren't even buying Prada. Yeah. Like, like four years ago. Then they redid the re-edition bag in the nylon. And it skyrocketed. So Chloe, same with Chloe. Like they had the Marcy bag a few years ago. Now Chloe, I might hold on to it unless you really want to sell it. I love Chloe and my shoe. I'll buy Chloe pieces. But you want to... So I noticed that some of the other fashion houses kind of have that wave. Whereas Louis Chanel and Hermes, they're just like your tried and true. Like Gucci right now, not so hot. Yeah, I did. And my she was so hot a few years ago, right? right? Well, they just rebranded them. So everyone's trying to sell their old, like, Marimonis. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, pennies on the dollar. So it's, like, this... I mean, some people need to sell for, like I said, financial reasons and sell it. If you need the money, sell it. 
but I just say hang on to it because it'll make a comeback. But right now, very Gucci. And they're not sponsoring me anyways. <laughs> I, I, I kind of sell it sometimes. Very, I, I feel the same about Gucci. Like, I I realized in the, like, post-college era, since I graduated in 2012, I started making a little bit of money. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm getting a Gucci bag. And then I started kind of a collection. But now I'm like, I don't like any of these. Like, it's just, right. they're all a little too done. Everybody has it now. So it's not even... Well, it's funny because I, as you build, so I always find that funny too. It's like I will sell a, a gal her first bag. She like graduates law school or, you know, whatever. And so she's super excited to buy this X bag. Then a couple years later, she buys this and this. And now she's like, get a Mac daddy. And she's like, I've got my dollar. So it's been really cool because I've been in business for a year. That you see people kind of evolve as their career evolves with their bags. So I always think that's pretty cool. That's cool. What would you say is like a perfect first bag for someone to- so like what's your starter what's it start okay her starter bag but like they have see them they have me they and this or they're just no, they're, yeah very very like young 20s gets a little bit of money wants to buy her first designer so i always say a cross body in that circumstance because you can use it for work still like you know a reasonable size that you can put your phone in and business cards and stuff but then you're able to use that going out with your girlfriends because you're going to need that bad tap multi-function. You're, like, you're just yeah. starting your collection. Right. So I would say a crossbody bag or a good work bag that you can transition into evening without it looking like, in my opinion, I, I, like I love the Neverfull. We saw them all day long. They're great. They're like yes. go-to tote. But I just don't see like someone wearing their Neverfull like out to the clubs. Like, right. So like... I think a number four is a great bag, but then like if it's your only bag, like are you swinging that thing around like at uh, the bar? I don't know. There was what's the I'm sick. Weedy. Yeah, yeah. stuff. I had in high school, and I remember I like took me to the bar one day, and this guy was like, "Why are you wearing that purse at the bar?" And I was like, "Why it's purse at the bar?" But I was just like excited about it, and now it's like. Yeah, but like, so I get that too. Yeah, it's like so exciting to have one. Like, that are, and the speedies are making a comeback. Yeah, they're like an they, They've redone them. Now they're like speedy bandoliers, so they have straps with them. So you always layer like, across jazzy. Yeah. And so I just, you know, it, it is funny though, like the things that you made something work. Yeah, that's what you have. Yeah, it's like, and now we, I think we would be like, that's so like, why are you wearing that bag? But it, when you're young and you have some lots, it's like, yeah. Good for you. Yeah, off in the day. And it's pretty similar. To, and just in general, right? The thing is, we were living that life now. Like, if we were in college, be, there was, like, no stories back then. Like, there was social media, but there was no... I'm pretty sure my phone was, like, the... Like, the... You know, with the numbers, like, went... Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Then I had an iPhone, but the iPhone was still very... Like, you couldn't go on the web, really. It was kind yeah, of... Yeah, well, because... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, BBN. Um, but so speaking of social media, I feel like your social media is a huge marketing play for your brand. That's how I found you. That's how I bought a bag from you. Um, was like, oh my gosh, she posted this bag. I want this bag. Um, so, and you're so unfiltered, but it's really hard to keep people engaged and you do it. Like I know so much about you without knowing you at all. And I really like you. And so therefore I want to support your business. 
So just kind of explain how what that has done to your business and so well thank you. Well you know when I took the social media approach and the social person could talk to a wall. I have no problem talking at all. So like some people that's very overwhelming. So I know that that could be kind of a detour. Like how do I get online? But what I decided to do when I started the social media journey in my business is I always promised myself, just like I ran my business authentically. Like there is a lot of days that I'm not wearing makeup and I look like a hot mess express. But to me, and again, this is just my journey, like me filtering it and like re filming it 36 times, like you start to lose track of what you were even talking about. Because now you're frustrated. You're like, hey guys, okay, uh, hey guys. So there is times where like it, like when I look back, I'm like, wow, the triple trend was out. But to me, that's who I am. And, I, and you might not like who, and there, there is a handful of people that don't like you. And I'm okay with that. Like, I've learned that, like, I'm not for everybody. And I think that's what's also helped me gain success is because I'm not going to alter who I am to somebody's perception of who I should be. And so I know that's much easier said than done, but I just always promise myself and my brand itself and my employees that, like, Whatever, whoever you are as an individual, like let that speak louder than what people should like characterize you as. Like, right, I'm selling a really high end product. I do a high volume in business. I know very dingy people, but they know when Sid walks in the room, I'm not wearing five inch stiletto heels. Like, I'm a sneaker gal. I'm not going to, like, that's okay. All my girlfriends are, you know, in their little stiletto heels. I'm feeling great. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in designer's meeting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just have always, I've become comfortable in my skin, I guess, is that like, this is who I am. Yeah. And the unfiltered thing. So I really try to like not curse because I'm like, oh, so I really, it's for you. And like, I've always promised myself, like, we have a gift shop next door, a handbag store. We don't sell anything with the effort on it. I say it all the time, but my mom thought I promised my mom because that's like a thing, you know, like little crouches. Yeah, yeah. So there's certain things that draw the line on, and so I try not to. I don't think you've ever said the F. Shit's interesting. This is a, this is a G-rated podcast. Oh, okay. I know. No, I have. I have bad mouth, but I mean, even with kids, I feel like my kids just know. I can't say that word. Mom says it, but I can't. Oh, no, my daughter's walking around saying S-H-I-T all day long. <laughs> the other day, like, she's trying to open something, and she's like, oh. And there's like, oh, gosh, we love Jesus. We just first a little bit this house. So, you know, it's like, you know, but. Yeah, so there's just, again, there's, you find your boundaries with social media, too. Like, we try to be pretty private in our, like, family, like, Everyone knows a lot about my family, but like our home and stuff. So there are certain, I think right. creating those values are important too. Right. And so you are a mom to three, two, three-year-olds, which I'm sure is crazy. When you obviously had this business before them, what, I feel like I am in a constant struggle of like, yes, I'm going to do amazing at my job today. And then it's like, oh no, I worked too hard yesterday. I didn't give my kids enough. And the balance is just impossible. So like what's that for you it's insanity i always say like okay so you see me on social media right like and i do i think as females and especially as moms and working moms we beat ourselves up because i catch myself doing which i'm like 
how the heck did she get all those promos out in her business? How did she do this? How did she not been three special events this month? And da, da, da. and she said, and she works out like, I don't do that part. And, but and not, so, then, so, you know, we all yeah. compare ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. why does she have that nice car, this or that? And so it's really, I, I have a village of people behind me. And, you know, from childcare to people that are, you know, assisting me by personalized. So I always emphasize that. It took me years to build that. And I always make sure to emphasize that because they're like, you know, this bougie life and this bougie business, like this did not come overnight. Like right. it was a lot of hard work. Like in my early 20s, I was skipping the club mm-hmm. and like finding bags on offer up to go and resell and drive into like Peoria to like far away to buy a bag. So I think that's really important to also prophesize like this didn't just come overnight. Yeah. And like I have people that help me with social media that work for me personally now. But like that, it was like a newer thing for us. That's when mm-hmm. the, like the last year. So I always just find it really important when women, you know, categorize like how does she do it all? I have a team behind me, but like also it's everybody's journey. Like there's resellers that are like doing quadruple the business I am. Right. And so I'm. you're never going to be, there is no, I don't know. It's it's a hard balance, I guess. Yes, I but yeah, I do a lot. But I have a lot of help. Yeah. With that said, what would you say would be like the pinnacle of your success? Do you want to keep scaling the business? Do you like where you're at? Like, what do you envision for yourself in the future? People ask me this all the time. So I remember back in the day, and I was dating my husband, my now husband. I told him, you know, we were talking at dinner once. I said, when I have 25 bags to sell, we're going to be really? in And they were like, I have 100 bags, 200 bags, where I do 500,000 for their business, a million, this. So, I don't think there's a ceiling for it. I think as long as I'm still enjoying it, when this becomes like, like unfun, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of unfun moments, for sure. but that's with anything. But if I start, if this becomes less fun than it is fun, I don't know how to say fun. Um, I'm going to reevaluate right now. I don't think having multiple storefronts is the answer for us. We've become pretty much a destination. We're centrally located. So we have clients from north, we have clients from south, west. So I really like our location and where we're at being in Old Town Scottsdale. And I think that sometimes like more is just more. Like just, I have girlfriends that have five boutiques and like three of them are struggling and two of them are doing well. It's like, but they're stuck in these, you know, we're Marshall leases. So is it like if they just had the two, they would be doing, you know, one's paying for the other. And so I see that a lot. I see that people feel like multiple location, yes, means you're a bigger business, you know, or you have 40 employees versus like 10 efficient employees. Small headache, you know, so it's just figuring out what that balance is for us. We're scaling and we're, we're doing really well and with our growth slow and steady wins the race Mm -hmm. so like i'm doing it ethically i'm doing it authentically i'm not overstretching us you know and there's times where i'm like oh that's a little bit of a tight thing but let's try it but i'm putting us in a position that like if the markets would change really significantly that we're gonna hold out and we're gonna be fine versus i feel like other people are and maybe that's a little too cautious some people are like extreme risk takers and i would say i'm like in the middle yeah, well, I mean, that sounds it. It sounds like you're just able to keep everything enjoyable then, too, because I, I totally agree. I feel like sometimes people, I just want to scale, 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 or I'll be happy when I get to this level. And then 
you can have more more problems. Yeah, and I've been approached a handful of times for like investors and and people. I just still I'm kind of a control freak, and I think that's yeah. what's like kept me like I'm in control. And I don't want to lose that. And not that like having investors necessarily is the right. ace, but like I don't need to. I just don't want to report to people. <laughs> so again, I have been self-employed for a long time. So again. That could be a detriment to my business. Maybe I'm missing our opportunity, but I'm like, that's just not the right thing for me at this time. Mm -hmm. So, and you talk about the team around you. I feel like I have to mention her, Sarah. Like, she, you, if you don't follow Sarah on Instagram, you and Sarah have the funniest relationship. She works for you, just clearly a very good friend. And so I feel like her being part of your business and other people you hire, you hire people that you want to be around. And like, does that just obviously make work way more enjoyable? And how important is that? She's, she's a little. (laughs) So it's crazy. Sarah and I did not know each other before she looked at Luck Luck. Really? Yes. People are shocked by that. Or they're like, or like your sister. So we go by a lot of different titles. Depends on the day. But Sarah's mom was a customer of ours. And we we just started talking. Sarah was in college. I think she was a sophomore in college. Worked for me part-time. I mean, the poor girl started like $12. I mean, this is years ago. So she's built a, like she literally graduated college. And I said, okay, let me give you a one-year contract with a salary job. She accepted, which is her own damn problem. <laughs> um, and it's just like blocking yeah. from that. We've really created a great relationship. I'm honored to have her part of my, in all seriousness. Yeah. You know, honored to have her part of my team. She cares so much about my business. And I think what's made it successful for us is like, I've never wanted to have this like triumph. Like it's Sarah and I's store or it's Nathan and I's stores or Jamie and I like, it's not this like I'm the superstar of the show because when I work with people like that and it's like a crappy feeling when you put like all you have into something and not recognized and like the owner just is like you know roll out the red carpet like I know better than that they they run my business like I'm lost without them to me it's so important to emphasize team to value them and to like appreciate them because I've been on the other side of it where it's like yeah I've given it my all and like I just feel like crack. So that's always been really important to me. And then long of the short, Sarah Sarah and I have just grown such a relationship. She's stuck it out a lot of years. I don't know what year we're on. It's not, I'm actually it's not official. I haven't even officially asked, but I'm gonna tell you guys first. I'm her matron of honor. You are a matron. So Cindy, she have a mate too? Yeah. But she she works for me too. Yeah, that's her best friend. So I'm the matron of honor. We have to wear white. Okay. Can we talk about this for one second? I'm as white as they <laughs> So I accept our brides bridesmaids dresses if we can wear a color. There's not much. She's not. So neither, my plan is I need to start working out. Take those Ozempic. For the pregnant before the wedding. So those are three options. <laughs> or spray tan, right? If you know the spray tan. You don't find no text that to me when I told her in me and her really good friends. She's like, oh, you're going to look like a big marshmallow. I'm like, what are you doing? She's from Europe. So, like, sometimes her filter is a little. And we, I, we were wheezing laughing because she's like, I didn't know like that. I'm like, 
wow, I know I'm a little curvy, but a marshmallow, it's it's a snowman with better curves than a marshmallow. So I do like, I have to defend, I like the look always. Yes, the aesthetic is, yeah, her thing is like very, I'm spilling all her beans, but whatever. Um, Like cream, I think white cream and tan. Oh yeah, I love, oh I do like. And her fiance is like darker complexion, so like cream for him and Zany and Xander making a presence, but I won't spill all the wounds. It's going to be a bougie wedding now. Oh, good, good for her. I love that for her. All right. Well, I think um, we won't take much more of your time. I think we were just going to end with like a this or a that. So okay. we'll do like, you have to answer super quick. Okay. Um, just my question and ready. Chanel or Vermette? Uh, mess. Gucci or Louis Vuitton? Louis Vuitton. Designer jewelry or designer shoes? Uh, shoes. Never eat ice cream again or never wear a designer purse again? Oh, what? Uh, <laughs> never eat ice cream again. Wow. Okay, that's good. Oh, designer handbag. I'm going to be out of business if I have I know. Well, you have the ice cream too, though. So it's yeah. like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should try the no ice cream for my wedding. I'm coming. <laughs> uh, I have another one more question, yeah. too. So, for the people that are listening, like, what would you say is the current it bag? And again, which bag would you say is now cringy? Oh, if you're carrying it, don't come at me. Um, the it bag. I don't think there's like an it bag per se, but like right now, what I'm seeing a ton of trending is quiet luxury. Yes, I love. And so a lot of people are doing this quiet luxury thing. Bottega is making another comeback on the scene, like products, small logo. So like the super logo stuff, it's not going anywhere. Don't get it twisted. Like I still rock a big LB water brand bag. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing a lot of the quiet luxury little cringe bag. Let's see. There's a lot of cringe bags. Uh, but I don't know if there's like one specific like bag where I'm like, oh. You know, I got to think about it. I mean, there's like styles of bags that we've had in the store and we can't sell them forever. And so then they become my cringe bag. Oh, right. But I don't think there's like a specific, that's a really tough question because it's like, there's like cringe bags for a certain reason. Like they have poor resale value. But it, I don't think there's like one that comes off the top of my head that's like, oh, please. Oh, you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. What? Fake designer handbag. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I... Okay. Heavily agree. Like, because they're getting good. They're not great. Oh, see, that's funny. Because, like, I can't tell the difference. So, like, mm-hmm. but it is making me. Okay. Let me just tell you why really quick. I know. Yes. We're trying to end this. But no, I'm important. So, fake design on handbags, besides just knocking off a designer, which is, like, whatever, it's a really, really dirty industry. Like, there's a lot of, like, crappy work. Like, there is no work ethic behind it they're having kids make these in sweatshops like it's a legit like dirty dirty industry so besides knocking it off it's just like there are certain things in the world i cannot afford and i'm okay with that like you have like i get it like you but you think you're buying something that's a imitation of what it really is mm-hmm. and then they like you know and it's okay but you they come in a store and they're whipping this thing around like oh yeah. <laughs> like you can tell it's fake well that's okay like if that's like your journey but just so besides the like trying to like pull a fast forward and carry something that's not really authentic and you pay three hundred dollars versus three thousand is do your research behind the industry itself like 
it's super wasteful. It's it's really unethically ran. It's a really, really bad like industry. So it's more than just like knocking off Louis Vuitton. So well, and it's funny you say that because I, I knew it was I've done research and I'm like, okay, yes, I cannot support anything like this. But it is also like knocking off the design. Like I do think that's a part that people don't think about. We're just like, oh, Louis Vuitton was so much money. But there is like but it's like anything, right? Like the reason they have so much money is they put so much into it. So I argue this all the time. People are like, oh, that's pretty ten bucks to make. It's like it's really not. No. Like first of all, they employ thousands of hundreds of people. They 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 have workshops. They have overhead. Like yeah, there's definitely profit margin. It's like business. Like you, of course, it's like high end real estate agents. You know they drive fancy cars and they live in multi-million dollar homes and their billboards are everywhere. But like they've created that. So I think that sometimes people lose sight when they see like a lot of money or they see successful businesses like, oh, well, we can knock them off or like copy what we do. Like, you know, they copy our social media reels and all this stuff. But like a lot of money and time has built into that. So it's like it's okay to be inspired by somebody. If it's okay to like look at my social media and be like, oh, I want to host that or I want to do like that's a great idea. But like fully knocking somebody off, I think this is so cringe. Yeah. So there's your cringe. Yeah, that's a good answer. Because I was also curious how long like determine something is authentic too. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I know we were at the neighborhood. No, you're good. And I'm with Liz. You know, time we're time. So we'll chat. So with authentication, it's obviously very important. So what I really like on the buyer side of ours, so like a consumer coming in to purchase something from us, they know we're buying it right. So we have more skin in the game, not to knock off consignment and what they do, but we own the product. Meaning we, why do we like buy something for high value if we know it's not real and then try to sell it? Like right here, really bad business decision. So I think the end consumer really feels confident in what we're doing because we own it versus like somewhere else's product we just put on a shelf and Mm -hmm. we sell it also. So we have an in-house authentication team. That's their sole job is to look at the piece, study. It's like crazy. It's a full-time job. Like really, you know, and and brands are always elevating and changing what they're doing so that the knockoffs can't keep, you know, they're one step ahead. And then we also use a third party non-biased opinion so we actually have a device in store that we're scanning the piece it's being sent off to their kind of algorithm very technical thing and then they're also getting their opinion on the piece and they have a hundred percent guarantee how cool so if you're you have a piece with a third party certificate of authenticity can prove that it's not authentic they will give you back your money and we have it as well so you can awesome. oh wow that. yeah that. So, you know, we just, we take that, obviously that's a really big part of our business. So we take that super And are you seeing a good amount of fake stuff come in? We're like, oh, that's good. I think people would be afraid to bring a fake in, right? Well, here's, here's the two things. So when you're selling to us, we take your ID to start the process. We're scanning that into our database and we pay via check. So if you're intentionally like, I'm going to try to pull a fact. Right. Like now we'll have your information you're not yeah. gonna go very far. I mean, once in a while you get them where like they had no clue. Right. It was, you know, an heirloom from their grandmother who passed and it was in their will and maybe the grandmother didn't know or so be it. So, you know, once in a while those filter in. But for the most part, I think like with us, they know 
Yes. Well, I think that's a reason why like eBay and stuff is scary because you're just trusting the person on the other end to yeah. say it's real, whereas like you guys are doing the work to make sure it's real and you're buying something. Yeah, and then we own it, right? So right. it's stuck with a fake bag. It's a hundred percent lost. Yeah. I mean a hundred plus percent because you know, employees and time and a lot of goes more into it than just like, you know, buying it from someone and putting it on a shelf. So you know, we are really cautious and, you know, my kind of motto with my team is if there's a question, we're going to pass. Like if there's one thing where like, it looks really good, but, you know, if there's any gray area for us, it, it just doesn't make sense. Right. We see it down the street. <laughs> That's another topic. It's not hard to say, but you know, so it's okay. And we're not for everybody. And there's people that like don't like that business model. They eat a lot fast cash. We have to authenticate it before we buy it. So when you come with the store, there is, you know, it's a 20, 30 minute process. So some people are like, I only have five minutes. Well, I would say, what's it doing? Yeah. I wish I was. <laughs> I mean, it takes longer than that if you're in design. And exactly, a very slow process. Participate. Oh, and it's like an experience. So, you know, our store is a little more elevated than most small businesses. And I've always, you know, like designer packaging and like having great packaging. We just got new ones. I'm so excited. But like elevating the experience, like having little bottles of champagne for girls when they come in, it's their yeah. first designer bag. And now, like, I came from the luxury sector. So I've been able to kind of implement some of that in my business. Mm -hmm. But this isn't like, and there's clients who are like, I have to go and it's, it's okay. Like when we, you know, we try to like speed up the service, but I don't want it to be an experience where it's like target, you know, where it's just like an in and out type writing. So well, I have to say when I bought my Chanel, I had a wonderful day yeah. from you. Oh, I mean, yeah. Came out together. Yeah. We, I, went, I was her sounding board to make sure it was a good purchase. Which, yeah. Yep. I had best with you. It's like, please. Please hold this, and you're like, I can't hold it, but you guys kind of did for me. Like you put in the back, so it's still when you open. Oh, so sit out. Thanks, right? We don't hold. You don't hold, but like they were like, we need to like display it. Yeah, and I thought it was there right when you guys opened, and yeah, the girls in the shop, like the other shopping, like do it, do it, do it, do it, and everyone's like, do it, do it. It was so fun. So I vaguely remember. I was there. I don't think you were there. Are you sure? Oh. No, I don't know over there. I would have remembered that because I think I was like fangirling. I was like, yeah, I cool. Like, I follow Sid. I feel like they know her. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. Did you buy a bag of one? Let's sit the bus to the doors. Bye. No. Yeah. No, they're still baiting vessels. So I always emphasize yeah. that we are a kind of sale business. And so people are like in the hot moment. They're like, I'm going to do it. And then you just see them like, you know, you know the yeah. other angel on the shoulders like go do this so i like go take a walk around the block they usually stop at a bar have a shot of tequila yeah and they come back and they're like i'm gonna do it but we are not like and i say this very lightheartedly like a used shop like no this isn't like as you walk out the door we're like 3200 cash like and that's okay that's some people's marketing strategy and it works for them but like the price is the price we don't negotiate um, you know, you can invite me for dinner. That's great. Yeah. If we did, the price is not changed. <laughs> we just want it to be a fair market. Like, well, it's like a store. I mean, yeah. I'm not going into Louis Vuitton being like, this store. Right. You're right. I know. I have friends that work there. They're like, people would be like, oh, I'm buying three things. So I get a discount. No. What? Oh, oh my God. You know what? I would never even think. 
like my audience is so bizarre. Like what? <laughs> it is. It's it's crazy. Like people are. Wow. So. Yeah, I'm sure you see everything. We, I have stories. Stories, I'm stories. We could do a lot of that. We'll have to do an hour's uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, tell us where everyone can find you, your social channel. So if you're looking for some free, I need to look at this camera. No, no. Oh, okay. Um, if you're looking for some free entertainment, Instagram or L-U-V underscore L-U-X-E. So we post pretty much every day on there. Sometimes it's my personal blog as well. Um, our storefront is in Old Town Scottsdale, 7111 East 5th Avenue. And what else? And you can shop online too. Oh, yeah. All done. Yeah. Scroll around. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is so fun. fun. Awesome. Yeah. Excited. Out of allowance, but I'm, I'm ready to buy my next. Excited. Thank you, Lady. So much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Her House. Please be sure to rate and subscribe.